happening? What's happening? You know how it goes. Right now, I'm checking to see if uh, how it looks up on there before I even get to it. Y'all know what we do every week. All right, we good to go. Let me just check my audio. All right, my audio's good. You know I got to start with some blues. For those of you who know, we still loving the blues. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening, blues people? I always have to start that way because we are the blues people first and foremost. And I'm the bluesman. <laughs> and what we do here, again, remember, Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation is the overall. And then we have Jack Dapper Blues as a podcast, radio show, and, and public media. And we have the African-American folklorist, which is what bridges the layperson to the academic when it comes to our story, our ethnographic folk narrative and things of this nature. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Freddie. Oh, Freddie, how you doing? Mwah, mwah. We got to set up another interview. Because you're doing some great stuff, sister. Uh, now, I know a good portion of y'all are watching the Super Bowl uh, and Power T. I ain't knocking you. But we still have business to do and, and stories to uphold. So I, I, here I am. Like clockwork every Sunday. And drinking my Super Reds. Remember, we having the Super Reds challenge. And especially, like, again, I say this every week, and you even see it on my Facebook posts. If your day is like mine, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of breath control exercises, a lot of uh, uh, playing of music and things of this nature, you get to a particular time of the day, you, you, you're losing energy, you're getting tired, Super Reds. What it does is give you your daily dose of fruits and vegetables. It enhances your energy, your clarity, the whole spill. If you would like to jump on the Super Reds challenge, DM me and I'll make it happen for you. Now, oh, I'm happy that you're doing well. I'm very happy you're doing well. There's some things we have to discuss today. Uh, we're still in the midst of Black History Month. I'm going to give a brief recap because I do not like, uh, not that I don't like repeating myself because that's not what it is. For those of you who listen and engage with me every Sunday, I don't want to be repetitive to you all. But for those of you who have not, who has not, excuse me, who has not heard last week's show, I'm just going to give you a, a, a brief recap of what's going on and why why um black history month is actually in february so just to reiterate myself from last week carter g woodson created 
not Black History Month, but Black History Week. It was called Negro History Week. He did it because, first of all, he was the second black person to go to an Ivy League school. The first was W.E.B. Du Bois. He went to, to a school in Kentucky as well. I believe he may not have graduated from there due to uh, stringent uh, segregation laws. However, he did a lot of great stuff. So he established Negro History Week to carve out a week out of the year when we're being indoctrinated with other people's stories and history so we could celebrate ours. Okay, when I say ours, that means black Indian, that means black Americans, that means African American, that means African centered, that means West Indian. If you're black, we were celebrating it. Now, the reason why it's in February again, not because it's the shortest month, but Carter G. Woodson understood Frederick Douglass uh, coined his birthday February 14th. He didn't know when he was born. His mother used to always say that he was his he was her Valentine. So he said my birthday, Frederick Douglass said my birthday is on the 14th. Right? So Carter, understanding this, said we're going to make Black History Month in February around Frederick Douglass' birthday as a veneration for his work. 1976, Gerald Ford running for office to galvanize black votes made it so Black History Month will be an entire month. And so here we are. Now, <laughs> with that quick rendition of the history of Black History Month and how it went from Negro History Week to Black History Month, and remember, at this time, it's 76, from 66 to 76, maybe 65 to 76, that area, we started referring to ourselves, or portions of, uh, of black folks started referring to themselves as black, rather than African American or Negro or all the other um, classifications we were listed under. Now, I say all that to say... Again, last week I spoke about let's not um, platform world-famous people. Let's platform those more tangible, those that are uh, connected to us personally, those who live in our neighborhood buildings, communities, um, homes, whatever, right? This week, what I suggest is looking deeper than the mainstream celebration of victorious stories that were told to us. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, everyone knows about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Everyone knows about Black Wall Street. Everyone knows what happened, right? Now, I'm not knocking... Tulsa, Oklahoma, nor am I knocking Black Wall Street. This was a, a, a victory of great multitude, right? What I am saying is the way the story is told, even by Black platforms, we get the understanding that Tulsa, Oklahoma, it was the only Black Wall Street, was the only place town, community, for black, by black, 
again, to those of you who don't identify as black, African-American, or for those of you who don't identify as African, for those, we, we, this is just a broad stroke of our story, right? Tulsa, Oklahoma was not the first, nor was it the only. There were many. I'm going to talk about two today. One specifically, but to drive home that point, I'm going to bring in another one. Okay? So, we, what I'm bringing, what we're talking about today is Bowley, Oklahoma. Bowley, Oklahoma. Bowley, Oklahoma. <laughs> this is a, uh, how can I put it? Very interesting place. Um, Booker T. Washington said it was the most progressive Negro community of its time. Okay, W.E.B. Du Bois said something similar. And, and remember, at this time, they were at odds. They were not even uh, uh, seeing eye to eye. But on this, they saw eye to eye with. Okay. Now, the, here's the interesting thing. How my fascination of Bowley, Oklahoma, even came about. Because I, like so many, only knew of Tulsa, Oklahoma and Black Wall Street only knew of uh, Trail of Tears and, and the Buffalo Soldiers and things of this nature, but I didn't understand the the uh, vast and deep history of Oklahoma as a whole when it comes to our story, let alone Bowley, Oklahoma. So I'll share this story with you because it's, it's, it's actually quite funny to me. I, I've I've learned about Bowley, Oklahoma from John Dolphin. Now, do, does any of you know who John Dolphin is? Okay. This is a picture of him. Do any of you know who John Dolphin is? Because John Dolphin made a significant contribution to black business, black music the just excuse me the distribution of black music as well as black entrepreneurialism as well as um community active uh activism and things of this nature so how did i find out about john dolphin because i didn't even know about john dolphin Right. I was under the impression the first person to to platform and lift black voices in this capacity was Barry Gordy. And there's an interesting story about Barry Gordy, because Barry, after John Dolphin was murdered, uh, Barry Gordy courted John Dolphin's wife. Um, she thought, you know, she was a church going woman. Uh, but she, her, her kids and uh, close relatives forewarned him, but she thought he was the one. But Barry Gordy was courting her to get John Dolphin's secrets. Right? Now, I'm going to give you a brief history of John Dolphin, but I, I want you to know, if you are subscribed to Living Blues Magazine, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for Living Blues Magazine called Charting the Blues. And this article was about John Dolphin and how he was the first and the most popular to chart the blues, rhythm and blues and black music. 
Okay. I also had the pleasure, and it's in the article, but I also interviewed John Dolphin's son and John Dolphin's grandson. So you can go to Jack Dapper Blues and find that podcast because the information is a wealth of information and it's a story that needs to be told. So before I get into a portion of that story, this is how I ended up finding about John Dolphin, which led me to finding out about Boley, Oklahoma. Oddly enough, um, Little Richard, out of nowhere, pops back up into the public eye some years ago, okay? And I was on the hunt to interview legends, children of legends. Those of you who know my work, you know what, what I do. So I, I, I was interviewing Mud Morganfield, uh, Big Bill Morganfield. I was interviewing relatives and descendants of P.D. Wheatstraw. Now, I'm not even talking about the, 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 the artists who today in present day venerate and are what I like to call black traditional music practitioners. I'm just merely talking about the sons, daughters, grandchildren, great nephews and things of this nature of our um, legendary uh, cultural and heritage transmitters, right? So I'm I'm always on the hunt looking. And it just so happens, uh, Little Richard was ill but he had come out um, and did an interview about a couple of things. I, and when I say out of the blue, because, you know, he was out of the public eye for a little bit. And then he just came back into the public eye. And, and I looked at my wife and she looked at me. It was like, yeah, I got to get this interview. I got to find this dude. So I asked a couple of my friends, like, oh, you'll never get him. You'll never get him. Or they didn't know how to reach him. Now, a little story about me. I used to be what's called the coal caller. I don't know if you guys know what that means. Those of you who are independent uh, owner, operator, entrepreneurs know what this means. Those because it just means you pick up the phone and call any and everybody <laughs> to try to get where you got to go. So I, I have no qualms picking up the phone, calling anyone, right? Because that that is part of my early training. You know, so what happens is, what's happening, Brock? I know you do. Cause, well, exactly. So, I I, I do this. Uh, I'm on this research mission, and I'm searching. I'm searching. I'm searching, and I come across Little Richard's uh, lawyer, his attorney. So, having the information and intel and data that I have especially when it comes to the exploitation of black expression transmitters, I knew the lawyer would be the best person to call because either he is either he or she is fighting earnestly for the uh, black musician or he's part of the problem and exploiting the hell out of him. Either way, I knew this would be the person that I'd be able to, to uh, 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 have bridged the gap so I can get an interview with Little Richard. So I call this guy's office multiple times. And this is the funny thing. You know, and they always say, you know, uh, God don't give you what you want. He give you what you need. Everything happens at the right time. All these sayings. 
I called, this young lady answered the phone. I'm going to be honest. I was saying to myself, because I'm a pretty good judge when I'm listening to people. And I'm saying, you know what? This has to be a sister. This has to be a black woman. But I wasn't fully sure. I wasn't fully sure. Then she told me her name. I said, wow, now this, you, you know, I don't know too many people that is not quote unquote black that or so-called black or so-called African-American that has his name, right? But I, I just wasn't sure he, he, because he, you could hear it going in and out, but I, was, I, I, but I had the inclination. So I go into my spiel when I make these phone calls and my spiel was, you know, I'm Lamont Jack Pearlie. Hey, this is my, my organization. This is my business. This is my platform. This is what I do. I raise cultural and ethnic awareness about this, that, and the third. I went through the whole thing, and then I stopped. And she was quiet, and I heard a chuckle. So now I'm like, okay, what is what? what what's so funny? And she said, well, do you mind if I ask you a question? So I'm just thinking I'm being vetted before being introduced to Little Richard's lawyer so then Little Richard's lawyer can introduce me to Little Richard. Oddly enough, that's not what happened. What ends up happening is she said, have you ever heard of John Dolphin? And I was like, no. She said, what? And that's when I knew she was black because you, you, you know that high pitch, what? That we do, you know. So I was like, yeah, yeah no, I have She said, have you ever heard of Dolphins of Hollywood? In uh, on Central Avenue in Los Angeles. <laughs> so, you know, I, was, I don't want to say I was offended, but now I'm saying to myself, this obviously this is something I should know, and I don't. And being the sister that she was, she said, well, considering what you do, I'm surprised you haven't heard of John Dolphin and Dolphins of Hollywood. So what I'm going to do, if you don't mind, I'm going to introduce you to this story because this is a great story. Do you mind if I send you the book that my cousin Jamel wrote about our grandfather, John Dolphin, called Dolphins of Hollywood? So I said, you know what? Send me the book. Sure. Because I always want to know about um, history makers or, or those who contribute to our story so I can raise awareness, okay? She sent me the book, and I was in knee-deep in some uh, uh, projects, so I didn't immediately get to the book. Here's what happened. Send you the book. <laughs> I'm not sending you that book, but what I'll do is send you the link so you can get the book. <laughs> but um brother Gerald so what ends up happening is I finally I'm 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 working on something that I'm taking the train all over the place this is where I'm in New York so the type of person I am I said you know what I'm old school I'm going to read a book while I'm on the train this is the book I'm going to read so I grabbed this book and I'm reading this book and it kind of got in the way of the projects that I was working not to mention I totally forgot about trying to score a interview with Little Richard because I was so amazed by this story of John Dolphin, which, going full circle, so you know I'm not rambling, introduces me to Bowley, Oklahoma. Because John Dolphin's family went from the Deep South to Bowley, Oklahoma. 
And this is where Bowley, Oklahoma is where John Dolphin got his school of thought from. This is where his ideology of black life, black business, black freedom comes from. So it was easy for him to go other places with this mindset and accomplish and do things that other people that may have, and I hate to say it, but I got to keep it 100, that may have a, a what we call slave mentality or prisoner of war mentality, a, a mindset. He didn't have that because Bowley, Oklahoma operated under the premise of free black it was a town established in 1903 in Creek Nation Indian Territory. Okay? Black town. Now, there, there, there are different elements to it that I, I really don't want to get too deep into because now we're talking about the, the mixture of or, or, or the convoluted story. And it's not convoluted to everyone. Let me be clear. But the convoluted story of the reclassification of what considered the first Americans, you know, one of the popular terms now, foundational Americans, uh, black Americans, Native Americans, indigenous, copper color, mahogany, because Oklahoma was ground zero for natives in many fashions, the Trail of Tears, the, the whole bunch of things that happened. Okay, but I don't want to get too, too much into that aspect of the story because it'll take us off what I'm trying to explain. And, I, and I also, it may, uh, it, it may instigate uh, heated debates that I'm not trying to, well, that I don't want to happen on the feed. Those of you who are aware of the Creek Nation, the freedmen, and, and the reclassification of Indians that are my complexion and brown and light brown. And you know the story. If you want to chime in in the feed, go right ahead to help um, raise awareness to those who don't know. Now, getting back to Bowley, Oklahoma, it was established in 1903, okay? And John Dolphin... Is, was um, third generation of Bowley, Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken, okay? Um, I interviewed his grandson and his son some time ago, but it's up there. You guys can uh, hear it. I'll even put it in the feed. So he, the, the way Bowley, Oklahoma operated, he, he, he didn't have the mental restraints as those who dealt in Jim Crow South or those who dealt in highly segregated uh, communities because Bowley, Oklahoma was black. It was for us, by us. It was the initial, um, as you would like to call, um, FUBU, okay? And here's an image, one of the images of Bowley, Oklahoma it had black banks, okay? Um, the founders, and here, here's the, the interesting thing, right? And I, and I spoke about this last week when when I shared the history of Black History Month. And, and I, I shared that it went from uh, a week created by a, a black man to a month which was instituted by a white man. We, we, certain things are not priority. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it was a white person 
who made it a full month. It doesn't matter what his agenda was, what he thought or believes. Fact that it happened, now we got it, let's do what we do with it. Why am I saying that? Because Bowley, Oklahoma was founded by an interracial group of people, okay? Lake Moore, a white attorney. John Bowley, a white manager for the Fort Smith and Western Railroad. And Thomas M. Haynes, a black farmer and entrepreneur, okay? The trio worked together with James Barnett, a Creek freedman, to purchase the land of Burnett's daughter, Abigail. Creek Freedman. You, you got to understand what that means, okay? Because that means that was a black native, a black Indian, okay? So now, it was established at this time. And mind you, one of the things that was going on at the time was... They were, when they were going to, ah, oh, Brother Walto, you know I need you here because you know what this is about. So you can either back me up, correct me, or drop some pieces of information down there as I speak about certain things as it um, relates to the Creek Freedmen and, and, and the Black Indians of, of um, Oklahoma and Bowley, Oklahoma. So now, as they're building up this entire territory, they're, they're going to different towns where the train runs through and different things of this nature, which is one of the reasons why Tulsa, Oklahoma was easily accessible for what happened to it, right? Because the black town, Tulsa, and the white town was adjacent, separated only by a railroad track. Bowley, amongst other towns in Oklahoma was nowhere near these quote-unquote white towns. Why is that important? So I'll jump ahead a little bit as I tell the story. Bowley, Oklahoma was a sundown town, okay? Do you... I'm sure some of you know what sundown town means, but I'm just going to give you a refresher just so we can be on the same page. Sundown town means... In the, okay, let's put it this way. In the popular mainstream sense, sundown town means a town where black people can't be when the sun goes down. Okay? Here is the interesting fun fact to me of Bowley, Oklahoma. It was a sundown town in reverse, meaning... White people, non-black people, non-freedmen, non-Creek, non-African-American, whatever the terms were at the time, if you were not black, you could not be in Bowley, Oklahoma after dark. And it had a sign in the front of the town when they're coming in. Okay, here's a Bowley gang right here. Okay, these are some of the businessmen in Bowley, Oklahoma. Okay, very interesting stuff. Okay, so now I want to show you this guy. His name is Edward P. McGabe. He was an African-American politician and businessman, and he was notable for promotions of black settlements throughout Oklahoma and Kansas. He was born in Troy, New York. Okay, but he was very instrumental. B-O-L-E-Y. B-O-L-E-Y. 
He was very instrumental. Really? Okay. Okay. See, you see how that works? Thank you, Brother Walter. So, Edward McCabe was instrumental in putting the call out to black folk or, or well, I'm just going to say black folk for now, to keep it simple, okay, to come to Bowley, Oklahoma and, and settle there and, and make a life, right? Interesting thing. What... With the call that they put out in these newspapers and things like this, they made it very clear the type of black people they wanted in the town. They didn't want shiftless, uh, do-nothing uh, 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 ragamuffins, so to speak. They were looking for professional people from farming and agriculture to banks to medical to print and journalism. This is the type of thing they were looking for to establish this community. Again, I said that um, Booker T. Washington says this, Bowley, Oklahoma was the most progressive black township in existence at this time, okay? Edward McGabe also made the claim that we do not want the help of white men or the white man as we build this community. We want to rise and or fall on our own merit. So they were extremely serious about how they were going about constructing this uh, community. And John Dolphin, again, coming out of the South, um, if, if I remember the story correctly, his, John Dolphin's grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, free and very successful. His children were free. They didn't. They not only enjoyed the success. They built. They they built their own success, and they were running around the South as quote unquote Negroes, but free, with a free mindset. They they didn't have a in bondage mindset. Why is that important? How the dolphin lineage gets to Bowley, Oklahoma, is. You know, some of the whites of the South that had issues with um, the sons and the sons wasn't taking no stuff on, you know, as James Brown used to say, Papa don't take no mess. Right. They wasn't having it. So they as we said, they as we say in our day, they handled up and when they handled up, they were they were. Um, putting a mob together to come get them. And the grandfather decided we, we do have to move. So now because the grandfather was of the elite of the black, the colored, however you want to color, call it, he was also instrumental in, in, in one of the first families to move to Bowley, Oklahoma. And let me just give you an idea of how successful uh, the Dolphin family line was. He had his own train car where they put all their stuff on this train and went from, um, was it Alabama or North Carolina, one of these places, and went straight up to Oklahoma. Okay, there were... Correct. Okay, okay. Thank you, Brother Walto. So, so we have a 
community that, yes, that, that we had a community of blacks, uh, Creek freedmen, and things of this nature that were not operating, at least in the big picture, under the guise of a white establishment. And I will go as far as to say that the out, outside white communities did have a problem with Bowley, Oklahoma. However, what they they had no choice but to honor the rules of Bowley, Oklahoma. Why do I say that and how do I know? Are you all familiar with Pretty Boy Floyd, Charles Arthur? A notorious gangster, right? At the time, did they call him gangster bank robbers? Okay. They called him bank robbers at the time. Okay. And this story really tickles me, right? Because what happens is Pretty Boy's gang was with him. And they're in the area of Oklahoma. They're going between Oklahoma and Kansas back and forth. And uh, Pretty Boy was either on assignment uh, in jail for a moment or what have you, but he was away from his gang, which was three other guys, two white guys and one black guy. Okay. The black guy of the gang tells the two white guys, you ever robbed the black bank? And they said, no. And he said, you want to learn how to rob a black bank? I will show you. And they said, cool. So these three guys end up going into Bowley, Oklahoma. They go into, they didn't understand what was going on here, okay? So they go into Bowley, Oklahoma. They go into the bank, you know, they go up to the teller. They show their guns. The manager comes over and says, I got, don't worry about it, get out of here. He said, I got you, come on to the back. He takes them to the back, okay? And he presses the alarm. He said, what are you doing? He said, you, you want to take the money, but go ahead. But I'm And he pressed the alarm. They, sh they shot him and killed him. He took one for the team. That's where this term comes from. You know a lot of these black memes that's going around, the Black History Month memes, where this, you know, they show you a picture of the guy, and he's like, the first one to do this. He was the one that established take one for the team. So he gets shot and killed, right? So they think they make it away clean. They grab the money, they run out the bank, and they get stopped immediately because they run into the entire town. The entire town is out there. Okay, farmers, bankers, grocery store owners, whatever you were, they was there. And they killed them on the spot. Then you will hear after that uh, news clippings of, of other towns, black and white, commending them. Bowley, Oklahoma teaches the nation how to deal with outlaws, right? So these are some of the things that, now hold on. Really? Okay, so for those of you, if you're not reading the, the, the feed, Brother Walto explains that Bowley is in Ofski County. That's Muskegee, Creekland, Moat. And the outside law enforcement wasn't allowed in. So this goes to confirm it being a sundown town in the opposite way that we were taught what a sundown town was, right? So now I'm giving you 
uh, some information on Bowley, Oklahoma. I'm sharing some stuff with you guys about Bowley, Oklahoma. Why? Why? Before we get to why, I, I just want to show you something. You guys know who this is? Hmm? Anybody, anybody, anybody? There was a movie recently within the last year or two out uh, starring Eddie Murphy about Dolomite, Rudy Ray Moore, who made black ethnographic black folk narrative extremely popular with his rhymes and riddles. Rudy Ray Moore made his first million working at Dolphins of Hollywood. He actually came in uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, helped reestablish the business of Bowley, I mean, excuse me, of um, Dolphins of Hollywood, okay? And he ran a record store for some time. That's another fun fact. Getting um, and Dolphins of Hollywood, again, the reason why I brought that up, and John Dolphin, because their mindset his mindset, the reason why he was able to do what he did with Dolphins of Hollywood was because of the way Bowley, Oklahoma operated, okay? There's a connection there, okay? And, you know, it, it, one of the things, you know, why I'm talking about Bowley, and 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 I'm I got caught up in the moment a little bit. I'm stuttering a little bit, only because there's so much information that I can give you about Bowley, as well as about um John Dolphin and the connection, right? But the 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 purpose of me bringing this up is to again I'm staying consistent with the messages of the last several weeks. As we celebrate, as we think about Black History Month. Right, we cannot be pigeonholed in in our school of thought the way we have been in so many things. The story of Bowley, I mean, the story of Tulsa is the only story we get. Bowley has such a rich history of 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 black Indian, of so called black man, of 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 black business, black economics. Um, black family. Matter of fact, they did allow, uh, uh, I guess you could say a hobo, right? I don't like using that term because I, I think it's exploited when it comes to blues practitioners, especially from back in this day. But there was a gentleman who was a blues musician who played music. He busked in Bowley and he made a song about Bowley with him and his guitar. Right. Um, one of the earliest black filmmakers went there and did the first black cowboy film in Bowley. OK. Now, again, the purpose of me bringing up both John Dolphin and um, Bowley, Oklahoma, uh, to get you to think about things in a way where, wow. Why do we keep celebrating what's told to us to celebrate? Again, I'm not knocking Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we always hear about that. We only hear about Black Wall Street. It's a popular narrative. People make money off Tulsa, black and white. We only hear about Barry Gordy. We don't know about John Dolphin. And John Dolphin was instrumental in placing black music into mainstream. 
He opened a 24-7 record shop. He put a he bought um airtime, made his own radio station, aired it from the front of his store. Had black, white, and Chicano radio hosts. His 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 record shop was ground zero for black, white, and Chicano children, or youth, and everybody in between. Sam Cooke went through there. Um, Scatman Crothers, Johnny Lee Hooker. Um, okay, hold on, brother Walto. The county seat is eleven miles east of Bodie. Really? All right, so you know when I get down to Oklahoma, then I could finally sit and break bread with you, bro. Because we we we're trying the um possibly in 2022, like I told you before, the AFS will be having another conference, trying to have it there again. Okay, because I, I definitely would like to understand Bowley because I I, I I'm, I'm very enamored by this story because I learned about Bowley as a, an adult. You know, this should. This is something that, again, along with these stories of Tulsa, should have been told to us. Now, those of you that's going to hear this or hearing this, um, um, hearing this audio, audio-wise, and not seeing it or understanding what you because this is live and it's on video and I'm interacting with the brothers and sisters that's taking a ride with me. If you guys that hear this in an audio fashion want to see some of the images, then you can go to the YouTube channel once it's up and archived after the live. Speaking of Flip Wilson, I said that with such a lisp, didn't I? Speaking of Flip Wilson, he's also one of those that went through uh, Dolphins of Hollywood. If you know if you can name a black musician, black entertainer, black um, comedian, they went through Dolphins of Hollywood to record because John Dolphin had a really, really. Now the rodeo was really big, right? And one of the and this is what I talk about that movie about black cowboys. Uh, that was a narrative um, by one of the very first black filmmakers was about that rodeo. And if I'm not mistaken, that the, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brother Walto, the, um, the celebration of that rodeo still goes on till today. But okay, hold on. So let me get back to the point. John Dolphin, Bowley, Oklahoma, John Dolphin was very instrumental in platforming black music because they were not playing black music on mainstream radio in these days. They didn't want to play it in these days, you know, for several reasons, sexual content, sexual innuendo, and just playing old, they were black. But John Dolphin broke so many artists and the way, he, that's right, Miss Turner, Mrs. Turner, John Dolphin had in a, in the back of his record store, he recorded records and then broke the records in the front of his record store on his radio station, therefore forcing what is considered mainstream radio to play black music, therefore charting these black musicians, therefore giving these black musicians a leg up to get signed and travel. King Records, 
Everybody knows King Records of uh, because of uh, James Brown, who also went through uh, Dolphins of Hollywood. But before James Brown got to King Records, John Dolphin was doing business with them. Okay. Now, again, to get back to... Okay, good, 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 good. And now, uh, Brother Walto, during that rodeo, is it that with the Blues Festival that's happening out there? And yes, Piedmont Blues, acoustic duo. Mom, Mom Mabley went through there. If, if you were any and everybody in black entertainment, you went through Dolphins of Hollywood. Okay, so now, get it back to the point. I bring all this up because this is black history, right? From from the Creek Freedmen to Bowley, Oklahoma, to John Dolphin, to Dolphins of Hollywood, and all the people that 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 went through there and 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 became world known out of this location. This is black history that's rarely celebrated. So again, my my ongoing call to action is don't just accept the popular narrative that they keep. And when I say they, I'm not just talking about white. I'm not just talking about elite because there are black media platforms and black intellectuals and things of this nature that continue to perpetuate the same black story and black narrative. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when I say they, I mean everybody who continues to perpetuate the um, same narrative. When there's so many people that contributed to our story, our history, and the success of our people in many ways. And in some cases, you know, there was success and achievement, but there was uh, different detrimental things at the same time. That's just how it goes. It's a balance. Right? Gerald, I, Jerry, I believe, Jerry, I believe you, you want to go to that rodeo. Remember, when I met you, you was in the cowboy hat, bro. <laughs> Which is okay. I couldn't pull that off. Um... So we, we have to understand because there's so many pieces of story. Matter of fact, get into the other place that I was talking about, um, which is very ironic because, again, we're always told about Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? We're always told, and only Tulsa, only Tulsa. Not And, and, and now I'm not even talking about Oklahoma as a whole, I'm talking about successful, thriving black communities as a whole. We're only taught about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Have uh, I'm going to do a quick question. How many of you heard of Fair Hope? I'm waiting. I want to hear if any of you uh, respond. I want to see if any of you respond before I speak about this. All right. Yeah, if you see me looking like I'm crazy, I'm not crazy. What I'm doing is I'm actually uh, on my website. Okay. Now, 
because I did a, a, a article about Fair Hope some time ago, a few years ago, on the Jack Dapper Blues website. Okay, the, the, there is a documentary narrated by Whoopi Goldberg. It was produced by, I don't know if you guys are familiar with S. Apatha Murkison. She played, I don't know if I said her name correct. That's right, Alabama. She played the, uh, uh, the captain in Law and Order. Okay? Yes, yes, Valerie, Alabama. That's right. So after the emancipation or the, uh, the, the so-called emancipation of the slaves, four million freed slaves found themselves roaming around the antebellum south of Alabama. Now, legend has it they were ill-prepared and unable to, con- to cope with the realities of their new freedom. Again, Bringing the black, bringing the black. That's right. Bringing the black to the blues. I always say the blues as we know it was established in the 1860s because black folk, so-called black folk, found themselves in a new terrain and discussing new situations, a new, pro- a free problem. That's why I have a problem, especially with my people who say that. Blues music is slave music because that means you have no clue on what the blues is. Now, getting back to Fair Hope, I, you know I have to, I have, I have to. But anyway, that's right, Valerie. It's in Alabama. So, so these four million black folk, newly freed in Alabama, literally 1865, rural Alabama come together and create a community that is as thriving as Bowley. They institute something called the Fair Hope Benevolency uh, 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 Society. What this does is, so they had, um, I can't believe the name escapes me. Um, um, you all know what this thing is. Um, oh, man. Uh, the, the women... I can't believe is escaping me. The women who come to your house to help you um, um, give birth. What is the name of this? I can't believe it's slipping me. Forgive me. But it's called the, the Fair Hope Benevolent Society in Uniontown, Alabama, established in 1865. And these people came together. They pulled together and they had women to come to your house, help you give birth. They had a fund for whatever happens to anybody in this community. Everybody, it's like, like a tax. They gave a tax. Anyone who was in some sort of issue, they were able to fund these people. Midwives, thank you. Jesus, Lord have mercy. Midwives, I can't believe I did not remember that. Yes, midwife. So they had midwives they had black banks, they had black doctors, they had black mailmen. They, whatever it was, they had it in Uniontown, Alabama. And it was all under the guise of the Fair Hope Benevolent Society. And they were thriving for many years. Until, and this is, I, I hate to say it. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to say and Until... The, the the push for integration happened not by the community, but by those, uh, if I'm not mistaken, particularly in the doctor field, 
And they started taking these doc, black doctors and they started doing this and they started doing that. And then they were leaving uh, no space for the midwives. And then piece by piece, this community started breaking down. I don't want to go too much into it. What I will say is look up the contradiction of fair hope. Watch this documentary. It'll give you, it, you know, it's very troublesome. And when I say it's troublesome, because, you know, I, I watched it happen with, with, with crack in, in Brooklyn, you know, and as, as I'm watching this in real time, I didn't understand uh, the real, real uh, 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 severity and ramifications of what actually happened. So I suggest you watch this documentary. But the reason why I bring this up, because I didn't mean to tell you the whole story <laughs> of, of, of the actual story, but I bring this up as proof and confirmation that there were multiple black communities that were thriving. And I'm not even talking about the communities that was thriving before and during the, the, the servitude, prisoner of war, slave era, because we have to remember there were free blacks and there was a lot of free blacks. But again, I, I, I digress. The, the point I'm making is there were so many so many thriving black communities, but we only, for whatever reason, hear about one. There were so many history makers that contributed to our narrative and the success of a multitude of our people, but we seem to only hear about one. And then we, and I have done it too, remember, I'm not chastising anyone. I, I'm, I'm bringing this to the table because as I find out that I was guilty of these things, and then as my mind opens more to the reality of our story rather than going for or, or being fooled by the convoluted version of our story, I share with you all. And what I'm sharing now is instead of us regurgitating the same narrative about the same person in the same place, which does us a disservice, we should know about these other places. We should know about the Bowley, Oklahomas of the world. We should know about the, the, the Uniontown, Alabamas of the world. And how people who came out of these spaces were able to take what they were taught and how they were raised to other places and establish other thriving black communities. You, you, you guys should check out Central Avenue of, 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 of Los Angeles. We know about the Harlem Renaissance. We hear about sometimes the Renaissance of Chicago, right? And those that was part of that. But we rarely hear about the, the amazing historical renaissance of Central Avenue, which John, um, not John, John Dolphin was a major part of. The, um, not the Duffield, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't think of the, it, look, I'm not, I can't remember the name of it. Um, is it the DuPont? 
man, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but this was a hotel that was owned by wealthy black people. I think they were a husband and wife that were doctors or dentists, and they owned this hotel, which all the black politicians, stars, and those who were not even of that caliber congregated there, right? Johnny Lee Hooker, again, all these people were there, and this is also part of the uh, quote-unquote migration that went west, not midwest, not northeast, but went west. Seattle, uh, Los Angeles, California, Sacramento, San Francisco, and all down here, right? There's so many... There's so many stories, but we don't get the full story. We don't get many of these stories. And usually they're told or written in places that we wouldn't be. The average layperson that is melanated wouldn't be in some of the places or read some of the things that this information would be presented in, which is the purpose of the African-American folklorist, okay? This is the purpose of the African-American folklorist. The print newspaper, the website, this is a home to catalog our story all over. You know, I could go down the list, We, you know, of the people that take part of it. Um, uh, Virginia Geminis, Carlton Thomas, Doug Curry, Cortland Hankins, Nasha Joe Lee, Chief Warhorse, um, Brother Walter helped me out and introduced me to a brilliant sister, Phoenix Moon, who wrote a, a couple of articles. Um, me, um, children, my son, my daughter, my nephew, one of my good friends, very good friend's son, writes. And we're, we're still looking to um, expand this, not for our purposes, but to serve you all. Actually, now that I think about it, right now, we are doing a crowdfunding campaign to raise $10,000 in the next, at this point, 57, 55 days, so we can produce a year's worth of newspapers. Okay? And so our... Contributing writers and columnists. Oh, I forgot. The Honorable Corey Harris has a column in this newspaper. He has his own column called The Words of Corey. And he drops some great... This guy's a scholar and a master musician. So what I'm saying is we need your help with this uh, fundraiser campaign because we, with your help, we'll be able to not only preserve the story, tell the story, our own ethnographic black folk narrative. Foodways, music, genealogy, science, technology, entrepreneurialism, you name it. Now, what are we talking about, brother? Uh, so many of our people love... You know something? <clears throat> now you getting deep. We're gonna talk about that. But I'm not I'm not gonna talk about that one in this one. Yes, you did. Yeah, yes, you did. Hold on. Let me let, let hold on. Let me give you 
no pun intended, intended. <laughs> no pun intended, the full Monty. Again, those of you who are listening to us audio, I am holding up the front page of our last issue that was published in December of the African-American folklorist on the cover. Am I holding this right? On the cover is Piedmont Acoustic Blues Duo as well as Todd Lawrence because he was the folklorist of the month. An article by Doug Curry and an article by Jim Hauser Two black free freedom songs. Listen, we we are working diligently, okay, to get the record straight and present the story properly by the people. We want Kentucky black story, Oklahoma black story, New York black story, Los Angeles black story, Arizona, it don't matter. And with that, this is the purpose of our fundraiser. I'll put the link of the fundraiser in the feed when I finish finish the broadcast. Hold on a second. It, apparently, I need some super res. I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy over here. Brother Walter, we're going... The hired man... The hired man to... Wow. We're going to go into that a little bit more in deep in another one. I'm going to talk to you off camera because there's a couple of things that you're mentioning that I want to elaborate a little bit more on when we speak about uh, the Creek Freedman, the so-called African-American in the space of black. I, 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 don't, I don't want to go into that just on this particular one. I want to go into, so I'm going to speak to you off camera on that one because I want to dig into that because that's again part of our story. As you can see, the very first issue, the front page says, can y'all see it? The copper colored, the copper colored races. Why aren't black Indians part of black history month? We're trying to cover it all. How do I get a copy and a subscription? I've got stories to tell. Jerry, brother Jerry, we're going to speak off air too. I'm going to put the su the subscription link on this feed as well. So the, the links that's going on this feed, I should write this down so I won't forget. Because as y'all know, when you get into it, you know, when you get into it, you get into it and you just might forget. But I'm going to put the link to my article of John Dolphin that was in Living Blues um, I'm just writing this down as I'm telling y'all. As I get older, I understand how to maximize my capabilities. <laughs> to uh, D John Dolphin uh, article. And this is all live and direct. This is the hip hop part of me. Because, you, you, you know, the first thing you learn as a MC and as being part of hip hop Everything's live. That's why I don't dress up. <laughs> it happens on the on the spot. Whatever it is, it happens on the spot. And that's why I say hip hop is the great, great, great grandchild of the blues. I use three greats, great, great, great grandchild of the blues. And I quantify that by the trajectory of my granddaddies, my grandparents' age, right? When they were born to when I was born is how I calculated 
the three grands of hip hop being the great, great, great grandchild of the blues. You stay tuned. We're not going to talk about that right now, but just giving you, and you see how quick you can get caught up. Let me finish writing this. All right. So I'm put the link of the John Dolphin off, uh, uh, article, the link of my interview with John Dolphin's son and grandson. And then I'll put the link of the crowdfund. And then I'll put the link how to su uh, submit the submissions link if you have stories, articles, um, interviews, uh, or whatever, whatever kind of file you have, we'll speak about, okay? I will put that in the feed after the broadcast, all right? So again, remember, oh, and Brother Jerry, we have a couple of people who signed up who would like to do the Zoom workshop so that we could uh, assist and, 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 and maybe guide you and give you some ideas on how to go about your documenting of your family or whatever it is that you're looking to document in, in, in the space of ethnography and folklorism. Um, we get, if we can get a, a few more to sign up, then we can get this going ASAP, right? And, and again, and I'll read it to you again just so you guys can know. Let me see here. Just so I can read it to you, so I won't stumble over the words. Our foundation also provides a proactive charitable program that equips the African-American community with the necessary tools of the folklorist and ethnographer. How and what to research, cross-referencing, producing, and publishing their stories. We also give you the, the, the uh, idea, or, or, or better yet, uh, I, I guess I say the basic fundamentals of recording, of filming, of engaging, okay? So we got a couple of people that are um, ready to sign up for this uh, program. Uh, we get a couple of more, and then we can start scheduling some some dates. Now, getting back as I close, I want you guys to find... The Contradiction of Fair Hope. Watch that documentary. I want you guys to look up John Dolphin. I want you guys to look up um, Boley, Oklahoma. I'm going to speak to Brother Walto in detail, and maybe he and I could get together and 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 uh, do a broadcast, whether it's pre-recorded or not, and give you guys even more intricate facts about Boley, the Creek Freedman, the Indian, and, and how a lot of things happened um, to our people, right? But until then, remember what my message is to you all. Don't go for the okie doke. We do not have to continue to regurgitate the same story over and over, celebrate the same people over and over. N yes, yes. We learn new things about the same people or in instances the more we look into it. I'm not telling you to, to, to close your ear or your minds to, to information. But what I am uh, earnestly suggesting there are other 
stories of those who are contributors to our narrative that should be known about, that should be celebrated, that should be uh, that we should raise the awareness of our people about. Okay, and you have a place to platform it if you decide to take on those particular uh, 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 functions, right? Meaning, excuse me, uh, the interviews, the, 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 the articles, the essays, whatever. This is for us, by us. You understand what I'm saying? This is for us and by us. All right, so I took up enough of your time. I'm happy that y'all rocked with me. Um, again, you know, reach out, uh, if there's something that you want to know about someone or some, whatever it is, reach out as you can see by the feed that I've been blessed to have people around me that are experts in their particular space and in multiple spaces in some cases. So I don't know everything and I'm not perpetrating like I know everything. However, I do know the people who do know or who are experts in particular things that I'm not. So that way I, I, I can bring them on the platform and, and then we can have the conversation and they can explain to you the real deal and not the convoluted manipulated stories we've been getting about our people by other people. Thank you so much, Freddie, for rocking with me. So, all right, y'all. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Remember, tell your story. Because the blues is our story. All right? Y'all have a great weekend. All the weekend's over. Have a great week.